everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers and welcome to another episode of Two Old Bloggers with Darren and Dave. In today's episode, we're discussing intriguing topics as usual surrounding your Minnesota Vikings. First, we analyze the team's playoff hopes. Hopes? You say there's a chance? <laughs> and they're un- after their <laughs> unexpected victory last week against the San Francisco 49ers. Can the Vikings capitalize on this momentum? Big question mark. We'll have to see and secure a spot in the playoffs. Well, they're going to have to keep winning, and we'll find out how. Next, we're going to focus on the breakout performance of Jordan Addison, the young rookie built for speed with a remarkable game under his belt. We examine the expectation expectations now and for the future with Addison on the team. Will he continue to shine and become a consistent player? It's a good question, especially once JJ comes back. Lastly, we're going to preview the highly anticipated border battle between the Vikings and the Packers. We analyze the quarterback matchup and highlight the key factors that could determine the game's outcome and can the Vikings take advantage of of their QB superiority and secure a road victory. So sit back, sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, and join us as we delve into these exciting themes in today's Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave. You're two old bloggers. So bad. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. And as I tell Darren, Darren to roll, and we're playing the Packers, and I want to kick their ass so freaking bad. Anyways, welcome to today's show. Darren, how's things in the great white north? We got snow now, Dave. It's here to stay. I'm okay with that after the summer we had. Uh, <laughs> No more <laughs> fires. That's right. Yeah, no more fires. Uh, but the, and just had a fantastic week, Dave. Uh, after Monday night, I've been on cloud ten. Um, just one of the best Viking wins in a long, long time. Really satisfying. Really happy week. I, I watched the the Viking Forty Niners highlights of that game about on repeat <laughs> ten times a day. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Oh, it, it was fantastic. There's nothing quite like a victory Tuesday, and it had smiles on me all week as well. Hey, we've got a lot of people watching already. I want to welcome them. We have My Worthless Opinion, the greatest name on handle on Twitter and YouTube. We have Yogi, the good Yogi's joining us. Hello, Yogi, the wonderful and beautiful Mary, the Drewster. We have here as well. There's Justin. We also have Justin. Bob Swede. We have Spit, Mr. Spit. Welcome to the show. We have Steven from Down Under as well. We have Purple Haze. You guys absolutely rock, and we thank you for being here as usual. It brightens our Saturday. And Drew asks, What am I drinking today? I am drinking nine bended bourbon. It's named after the Texas flower. No, it's the armadillo. It's their state animal. It is 
aged here in Austin. They do not distill their own. It's a MGD, MDG, whatever it is, out of Indiana that they get to source their bourbon from, and then they age it here, do what they need to do here, add the local lime spring water, and it tastes pretty good for a relatively low-priced bourbon is what I am drinking. Hey, Mafia, good to see you, my friend. And, of course, David James is here. And if I missed anybody, I apologize. I see Travis Floyd also joining us. You guys are always, always welcome to be here and talk Minnesota Vikings. Now, we named this episode Addison Time because we're going to get into theme two about Jordan Addison and what a breakout game he had on Monday night. And that was fantastic. I mean, he tied... Randy Moss and, you know, guys that have had outstanding Monday night debuts. And to do that for him, it has to be such a confidence builder. And it is for the team and it is for us fans because we came out smiling. It was wonderful. Anthony, good to see you as well. So let's start off first with theme one. Playoffs. <laughs> yeah, hate to break out the old Jim Mora cliche, but uh, it never gets old. That one. Um, Want to talk about you know, like you were talking about earlier, Dave. Uh, for me, a Monday night really exciting, uh, and for me, unexpected victory for the Vikings. And it and it's amazing how that win changed uh, in. That win changed the perception of the Vikings, I think, team on a national level. Um, at that two and four before that game, nobody is talking about, no talking heads nationally, and not even a lot of Viking fans are talking about the Vikings making the playoffs. They don't think it's realistic. I'm one of them. <laughs> then they go, What? We are yeah, there. Three hours later. Yeah, three hours later, you, you, you beat the 49ers, and then the same talking heads that weren't uh, weren't talking up the Vikings as a playoff contender are now saying, and one example is Chris Canty, the former de- uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle. He's on there saying, not only does he think the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, the Vikings are making the playoffs, according to him. And there was lots of Viking fans after that game really excited about the about the win and talking playoffs again. And I get it. You know, you beat a Super Bowl contender like the San Francisco 49ers, like you, like the Vikings did, to play as well as the Vikings did in just about every, you know, most phases of the game. Um, and, it, you know, that's exciting. That really gets you juiced up. And you look at the Vikings' schedule over the next 10 games, and it's pretty easy to get ahead of yourself and think, hey, uh, you see Chicago still on, the, on, the, on there. You see they got the Raiders on there. You see they got... Um, you know they've got uh, the Ra- they got the Raiders, they got the Bears, they they've got um, Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. You've got got it up there, so it's easy to look at those the Saints again. You, it's easy to look at that and, and feel that uh, not only can the Viking the Vikings definitely have a shot at getting to the playoffs and maybe even getting you know the NFC North title uh, if they take care of business in what looks like a pretty favorable schedule for them. Well, um, I now, while the schedule's up here, you've heard me say that when we, and especially when we get into the game breakdowns, I always start out quarterback versus quarterback. Why? Yeah. 
you know, because quarterback doesn't play each quarterback. They're playing against whatever that other team's defense is. But when you look at the quarterback versus quarterback matchup, 80 to 90 percent, closer to 90 percent of games are decided by which team has the better quarterback. It just works out that way. So most important uh, position in sports. Right. And so if you look at what quarterbacks are left on the schedule, right? You have Cincinnati, you have the mighty Joe Burrow. Well, he's having but an awful very season. Well. Yes, yeah. absolutely awful season. And you look at everybody else, New Orleans isn't doing, Atlanta doesn't have a quarterback. Green Bay, as we'll get into, um, has, <laughs> we'll find out, Mr. Love. And, uh, and there's nothing there. So I brought up, DVOA stats of how they rank quarterbacks. There's only one on our remaining schedule that ranks better than Kirk Cousins. Unfortunately, it happens to be Detroit, and we're going to need to win both those Detroit games to win the division. But that's it. Everybody else is below Kirk. You know, excellent point about the quarterback situation. Um, I, I do feel though that that um, despite the, <laughs> I feel that we do have to we, we need to slow our roll a little bit on this Vikings and the playoffs talk. At least that's my opinion because uh, despite how the Vikings played uh, against the 49ers in that game Monday night, uh, that has not been the norm for this Vikings team. Even though this Vikings team under Kevin O'Connell this year. Uh, to me, even with the three and four record, they look and feel like a better team than last year. The team last year that went thirteen and four, and that's largely, I think, because of the the. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Drew, uh, and it, that's largely, I think, because of the the defense has taken quite a few significant steps uh, of an improvement. Um, there. Well, as you notice, but, I started this slide from NFL.com. Right, they have started to put up their playoff stuff. Right, And we already know the logo is red and purple. And that generally, if you go by the script, means a purple team and a red team. And the red team probably being Kansas City and a purple team being the Vikings. So that's just, that's conspiracy theory, people. I hope it comes true, though. Um, we sit in the seventh spot as yes, of we this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just feel that Dave, like with the way this team has, has gone about their business, uh, they they have a hard time putting teams away. They play close games every game. Can't can't get that comfortable win, and and games come down just like they did last year, and even the year before, and the year before that under Zimmer. You know, it comes down to the last drive of the game, the last almost the last play of the game, and you're never and it hangs in the balance. Last year, those games all went in our favor except for the playoff game. This year, they didn't, and they're starting to turn around. A bit, but I just I just feel that it's I, this team, even with the way they played Monday night against the San Francisco, San Francisco 49ers, this team has not earned my trust yet, and I don't think they should have earned should earn your trust yet either. For those reasons, uh, still got a lot of flaws in them. Uh, like I said, can't put teams away, play close games every week, and and I think that that's to me. If you're going to get the ten and seven record that I think you need to comfortably believe that you can get a wild card spot maybe that gets you the divisional title too but if you look at the detroit lions schedule coming up uh it's not uh really very difficult either um, oh, it's a little bit easier than ours 
Yeah. So I'm not seeing a whole lot of significant amount of losses for them in the final 10 games either. But I think the Vikings have to go seven and three, I think, in their next 10 games to get that 10 and seven record that I think gets them as a wild card. I don't know if what I've seen from this year, I'm not sure that they can stack that amount of wins. Do they have the talent to do it? Absolutely, Dave. Can they do it? Absolutely. But are they going to do it? That is a big, still a big question mark for me. Um, Part of that is stop the dropsies, stop those mistakes. Yes. Whether it be putting a ball on the ground or dropping passes, start to eliminate those. And you're a long way there. Once you've done that, that's you're a long way there. The defense has improved greatly. The offense seems to be better sync. Kirk Cousins just played, I think, his best game ever. Now, granted, not stat-wise, it wasn't, but just the way mm-hmm. his thought process and the way he moved around in the pocket, to me, was remarkable. I'd never seen him play like that, you know, especially on a consistent basis throughout the entire game, and he did. And this is coming from me. And everybody knows how I feel about Kirk. You're a tough critic. um, If if they can keep it up, it's a big if, because we know they have a tendency to play up or down to their competition. Mm -hmm. And God, I hope they don't play down to their competition anymore. I want to see some definitive wins. I'd like to see, you know, 30-plus points on the offense. I know Drew would, too. Drew fixed the red zone. Yes. Hey, there's room for improvement, without a doubt. There's They haven't reached perfection yet. There's plenty of room. But they continue to grow. I think we're going to be quite happy in the results. I think. Yeah, and I think Dave. Uh, again, I, I'm not trusting them. I can see. I can. It'd be kind of typical Vikings where y- you have a killer performance like you did against San Francisco, even though it was only a five point victory. But it, but we won, and we were the better team in that game, which nobody outside of your purple purple Homer would ever have predicted. Uh, although I think Drew predicted it last week. Uh, he was expecting to win my win, which is the credit well, to him. He would have been the first because everybody I was listening to, including myself, was thinking, mm. Yeah. Uh, but it, it'd be just a typical Vikings for them tomorrow to lay an egg, absolute egg in Lambeau, even though they are a better team, in my opinion. And even if they win that one, to go up into Atlanta the following week, against a team that's got a terrible quarterback and lose that one. Uh, that's the kind of things that the Vikings have conditioned us to believe our possibilities and often happen. I think though, uh, to, you know, to get to that, start stacking those wins consistently, consistently and where you get that seven and three or eight and two or the final 10 games. Again, that this team is, has the talent to do that. Uh, I think there's a, you mentioned some of the other things they have to do, obviously the turnovers and the drop passes, drop passes were an issue last game against San Francisco. Lo and behold, we are, the offense was looking pretty good, but I think a couple other things. And one of them is drew touched on is the red zone. I think it's even beyond the red zone. I think one thing the Vikings have to, two things the Vikings have to do that. I think if they improve this somehow, that it's really going to help them stack those wins. And one is getting touchdowns and not field goals or turnovers when you're inside Side the opponent's 10 yard line. The Vikings have had 16 drives or 16 opportunities where they've been inside the opponent's 10 yard line and they have scored touchdowns on nine of those. That's 56% of the time. Is that the uh, story? Not, Chris Gates, you 
you were referencing? Well, that's the, the you know that's the other thing, but the, I think that might be part of it. But um, the fifty six percent that's not nearly good enough. Uh, they're and that's cost them against the Chargers. They went one for four when they were inside the Chargers ten yard line. Two of the and two of those situations, they had a chance to take the lead from them and it turned into a turnover and downs and an interception. We know that that, that lack of, of effectiveness in the red zone, particularly deep in the red zone cost them. It almost cost them against San Francisco um, Monday night. They went over two. They were at the two yard line, Dave and the one yard line on two separate. Couldn't get a touchdown either time. Uh, yeah, didn't even come the, the yeah. failed push, push. Uh, yeah, twice. Don't ever do that again. Vikings. <laughs> uh, so, to me, if they can get Kevin O'Connell and the offense and the players can can get to execute and come up with the right p- plays and the philosophy to get that up to 75% or 80% when you're inside the 10-yard line, that's really, you know, that. think of how much different the Vikings game would have been against the 49ers if you're up by nine at late in the game, right? And it's over. closer to that mark that Drew and I talked about before the season of getting to the 30 points per game scoring yeah. on the offense, if you can get down in the red zone and punch it in every time and not settle yeah. for three. And I think part of the, uh, the the running game and its lack of effectiveness is is an issue, and I think it's part of the problem. Christopher Gates from the Daily Norseman put up a post where he said, Alexander Madison has had 15 carries in the red zone this year. He's gained 10 yards on those 15 carries, which is pathetic, and no, no touchdowns. So that is a problem. If you're able to run the ball effectively, especially deep down there, like mm-hmm. really deep where you need a power a power game and a power back to push it in from one or two yards when there's no space, the D linemen are all crowded. We have not been able to do that all year. We don't have a rushing touchdown this year. Everybody knows that who's a Vikings fan. So that that you know that would really help. But it's other things too. I think again, Kevin O'Connell's got to figure out okay, if the running game is not doing it for us, how can we, you know, spread things out, create more space deep down there and create the kind of right matchups where we get the the good looks and the plays that can lead to more touchdowns. Again, I don't have the answer to what's going to fix that, but the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips and the players have to fix that uh, in order for us, I think, to, to go where we need to go. I think the other thing that is a that bugs me with Kevin O'Connell's teams the past two years, and I think if we could get better at this, the games wouldn't have to come down to the last play or the last drive all the time, is doing that what we call call those dagger drives or those gotta have it drives, right? Like late in the game where you put the team away with a a score or you play keep away and the team doesn't get the ball back to, you know, take the ball and potentially tie us or beat us again against the chargers game. We had two opportunities in late in the fourth quarter to take the lead turnover on downs interception. It almost cost us against Carolina, for example, 21 to 13, we've got the ball with eight, I think it was 8.48 left in the game, up 21 to 13. The Vikings take that last drive and they get any sort of points at all, field goal or a touchdown. They kill time off the clock. They turn the game into a um, like a 10-point lead or a 14-point lead. Yeah. The game is over. Instead, we go three and out and the Carolina gets the ball back with 6.23 left in the game, all kinds of time. And it comes down to like, but they get deep in our territory and it takes two Harrison Smith sacks for us to pull that game out. Shouldn't have had to come to that. The, the only game this year where we've had a dagger drive, a got to have it drive was against the bears. 
Other than that, the other six times, we have not been able to do it when we've had the opportunity. And again, don't know how you fix that. Is it a question of we get too conservative in our play calling, try to play too safe? Are the players just not executing, getting too jumpy, getting too too nervous? Uh, I don't know, but we've got to fix that. And if we do, more execution, more efficiency in the red zone, especially deep down there, more you know, executing and having that dagger drive, that got to have a drive when we need it more often, then I think the Vikings can get on a roll. They can win games comfortably, and we can have that 7-3, and 8-2 and two record that we need to get into the playoffs. And that'll really serve us well in the playoffs, right? Like we'll actually have a chance your to pessimism win. to a little bit of optimism. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. No, I agree with you. There's, you haven't, there's nothing wrong with what you said. That is all true. And I wish they'd do that. Now, the last game, we saw the offensive line come out and just punch San Francisco in the face. Yep. That is absolutely wonderful. I hope they take that attitude and they build on it the rest of the season. Because if they do, good things will happen. And I to give I them a the, the third down efficiency was really off the charts against the 49ers in that game, which you would not expect. And again, that's been a struggle for the Vikings offense too. If that's another thing, if we can turn that around and be more efficient, more successful on third down, uh, on you know, on third down and converting on third down, this offense can, I think, reach uh, the the level of play that we were expecting before the season started, and it, it hasn't quite happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh God, I hope. Mm. <laughs> I, because they have the talent. That's what frustrates so many of us is we see the talent on the team. We saw what happened last year. We see that it could come together and this could be a very, very special season. But they frustrate us to no end and they had, did with the obviously starting out oh and 3 or whatever it was and just, oh. But if they pull it out, pull their heads out, we hear a large popping sound coming out of Egan. Things will get much better, and it starts this week up in Lambeau. Indeed. All right, but first, let's talk about the young super stud in theme two. Jordan Addison, diminutive in size, but a giant when it comes to attitude. Sorry, everyone, that I'm scratching my nose. I didn't just do a line of coke. It's just my nose is itchy as hell. But <laughs> um, yeah, Jordan Addison wanted to talk about him because um, and they had great expectations for Jordan Addison because Monday night breakout game for Jordan Addison, seven catches, 123 yards, two TDs, probably should have had a third. Um and that was the kind of, that was like, I was talking to you during the game. Is this like his coming of age game? I think it was, or like his, his breakout game. We've been waiting for a game like this from Jordan Addison and he brought it and he brought it at a great time. Um, and that's the kind of game, of course, that on the national stage, Monday night football against a Super Bowl contender and a great defense. That's the kind of game that's going to catch people's attention. And sure enough, you know, that's exactly what happened. Now everybody's talking about Jordan Addison, you know, you know, you know, you know, stud and all that sort of stuff. And, and I love to hear it. And it's something that I've been very happy with Jordan Addison this year and what we've got out of him. Uh, so it's great to see him have that kind of game. 
Uh, and it's a game that we need to have from him without J- Justin Jefferson in there. Like we need somebody to step up and be the man. And Jordan Addison was the man Monday night against the 49ers. I think now the thing is, is that, okay, he's done it once. Uh, what can we expect from Jordan Addison? Is this going to be the norm? Is this going to be something we can expect to see from him game in and game out, particularly in his rookie season? Um, with Especially, you know, without Jordan, Je- Je- again, without Justin Jefferson in there, he needs to have those kind of performances uh, for, I think for the Vikings offense to function at the level that we want to. And uh, you know, part of that is, you know, being targeted more. And we expected Dave that when Jefferson was out and he's going to be out four games and maybe a bit more, hopefully not, but, but that his, he get targeted more than he was and he got 10 targets against the 49ers. That was a season high. So that's always going to help your production a bit. Uh, But, but you know, the, I think Again, happy with with Addison what he's done. I feel that, uh, but up to this point before that game, you know, he'd had good uh, good uh, numbers, uh, not great numbers. Uh, there's been some games where he's been pretty quiet, uh, and I think that that's there's some games where he's been quiet, maybe even disappeared a bit, but um, still not disappointed with how his play, well, how he plays. But I think that this, you know, even with Jefferson out, even with this breakout game, I think. again, me being a little bit pessimistic maybe or whatever, or realistic, however you want to put it. But I feel that I I don't know if this is going to quite, I'm not expecting this to quite be the norm for Jordan Addison yet. Uh, I think that, that we, we got to expect, you know, for most rookie wide receivers, uh, Puka Nakua is blowing everybody, the doors off of things this year, uh, partly because um, he's obviously a lot better than people thought he was going to be, but he also was into a pretty good situation in LA where they had absolutely nobody else options to throw the ball to other than him for until Cooper cup got back. Right. Um, but, um, I think with Addison, like a lot of rookies, it, it, we got a little bit, I think, spoiled with Justin Jefferson initially, you know, he can, we draft him as a first rounder, Dave. Uh, and as soon as he got, played and put in the starting lineup he became he immediately was a high volume guy who got a lot of targets and a lot of catches and became the number one receiving option for the vikings right out of the gate that almost never happens with a rookie wide receiver no matter what team they go normally they're they you know they're kind of a complimentary option a second maybe even a third option and that's what jordan addison was (laughs) you know most of this year if it would Justin Jefferson in there and TJ Hawkinson in there, he wasn't going to be the number one guy. So his numbers were kind of up and down, not a lot of targets, some games, not a lot of catches. Uh, but undeniably what we saw was that the big play potential is there, right? Like he can blow the top off a of defense. Uh, and um, so, you know, but I think even with, I think his numbers are going to go up and they should go up with Jefferson out. But I think, you know, moving forward, I, I think he's still, we, I think we, you need to temper our expectations a little bit that seven, 123 and two TDs is not going to be the norm. Some games, I think it's going to be, but I think there's going to be times, you know, you look at him, he's smallish, he's a five eleven, listed under 180 pounds. Um, he's struggles at times with press coverage. We saw that with Jardavius Ward really getting in his grill on that first pass that became an interception. Um, and he's going to have to learn how to deal with that. I think there's going to be games where that, teams, especially with them game planning to stop him, he's going to struggle a little bit. There's going to be games where we say, hey, where's that Jordan Addison that was we saw in the 49ers game? And it's going to be up to other Vikings to step up. But um, 
So, uh, you know, that's, I, I think his numbers are going to be good, but I think that we can't expect that he's going to be the stud game in and game out. I don't think that's, he's quite there yet. Um, nonetheless, when, when JJ, the problem, no, he's not going to be that way game in, game out because JJ's going to come back. Yes. Now, prior to JJ going out, the offense seemed to be geared around running through JJ because that made perfect sense, right? He's yeah. your superstar, run through it. It's, most times successful, go for it. With JJ out, has this been a blessing in disguise? As discussed by Justin Day this morning on his podcast, all you got to do is go over to Vikings First and Skull podcast feed on any of your favorite aggregators, and you can see that there, because he didn't believe so straight off the get-go, but he's sort of looking at it at a different angle. With JJ gone, they've had to shift. Kevin O'Connell's had to shift in his game planning and incorporate Addison more, and he stepped up, which is good now. And along with Kirk Cousins earns that trust that we all know Kirk Cousins loves to trust his wide receivers, earns that trust so that when J.J. comes back, I think we're going to be a more well-rounded offense Mm -hmm. and able to get more production when Kirk goes from you know, option one, two, three, looking across the field, he's going to go, I have no problem throwing to JJ. I have no problem throwing to Jordan Addison. I have no problem throwing to DJ or even KJ coming across the middle just as long as I don't throw it behind him. That's, I think, a good thing. Yeah, it's like Justin must have been reading my mind because <clears> – <throat> Yeah, and and to again, even though I think that the Addison's going to have a little bit of his ups and downs as far as production goes throughout the season, uh, hopefully he'll prove me wrong, just like the Vikings did Monday night against the Forty ers But um, I, I, you know, again, let's let's say what he has shown without you know almost game in and game out is that again the big play potential the, the, uh, with that taking the top off the defense and being a guy that can make a big play for us when we need it, uh, and he's been able to do that. I've also been very pleasantly surprised with his contested catch. Ability that was a weakness in his game coming out of college because of his size. The, the you know that he had some drops at USC and Pitt, and the fact that the, the scouting report was that he's not going to be able to outmuscle bigger DBs uh, for contested catches. But I think he's been pretty good at that so far. You saw that on a couple of his catches in the San Francisco game. Uh, but like but I just his attitude because when he when Ward took that ball in the first yeah. you know that first time and he's like fuck you I'm going to take it back on the yep. next one boom and and he did and he did that that folks is giant of heart or attitude mm-hmm. that you just absolutely have to love from him because it's fantastic he he's got that same thing JJ I think has that desire to win that drive to win and mm-hmm. he's going to do it no matter what and that's that equals good things in the future for the Minnesota Vikings, no matter who the quarterback is. Right. Uh, and with J.J. being out, I think that there's a couple of things that that uh, are good about this, and they're going to be a great, uh, what I call a professional development opportunity, it is a good, great prof- professional development opportunity for Jordan Addison while Justin Jefferson is out. One is that now he's really the number one receiving option on the team, or him and TJ Hawkinson, but he's one of them, one of one a one B, however you want to put them. And so defenses are going to have to 
pay attention to him as such. Uh, so he is going to be more of a focal point for defenses to shut down. He's going to face, I think, more press coverage, uh, more variety of coverages that are, are schemed to take him out of the offense. And he's got to learn how to deal with that. So he's going to have to be quicker in his processing skills, recognizing what coverage is there and how to beat it. He's going to have to run more routes and a more variety of routes and run them better. He's going to have to learn how to deal with the press coverage and how to get create separation consistently when he's not, when he is the guy that defenses are trying to stop. Uh, now it's very tough for a rookie to be suddenly the number one receiving option as a rookie, right? Uh, again, like I talked, that doesn't usually happen with them. And Jordan Addison is in that situation right now. And as a player, you either thrive and advance on that or you will from it. And what we saw Monday night was that Jordan Addison thrived in that situation. And, you know, no matter how it goes the rest of the way, I think this is, again, a great, uh, it's a great professional development opportunity for Addison. It's a great way for him to learn and get better, see what he, at, at his craft. And again, as the season progresses and as he goes into year two and year three, what's happening now is going to help him be a better player for the Vikings. And of course, that's great for the Vikings offense. I think the other thing that this does is that, like you said, this is an additional opportunity without Justin Jefferson there for him to build that rapport, connection, uh, chemistry, whatever you want to call it, with Kirk Cousins. Uh, because Kirk Cousins is not going to throw the ball to you very often, and especially he won't look to you right away if he doesn't trust you. Um, Kirk Cousins trusts Jordan Addison. He's made that clear in public statements. And I don't know if people noticed it, but at the end of the game against 49ers, you saw as it was when they they... I saw Cousins kind of get put his arm around Addison at the end of the game, and I can guarantee you what he was saying was, Jordan, this is what you know. I said before that you were a great talent, and we nailed you on the draft pick. Tonight was the kind of play that I expect from you game in and game out and what you're capable of game in and game out, and you did it. I think I'm guaranteed that's what he was saying to him. And again, that's the kind of development that you get and the the, the relationship that you build that's being built right now without Justin Jefferson in the game. And it's, and again, uh, if when Jefferson gets back, cousins has got Hawkinson, he trusts, he's got Justin Jefferson, he trusts, and he's got Jordan Addison that he trusts and that he's willing to look at. And I think, and he's going to learn because he's targeting Addison more. Kirk cousins is going to learn what does Addison do well? And what doesn't he do? To well? Where does he, where does he want the ball and where do when I throw the ball, is that not the place to throw it? Uh, he'll get more in tune with how Addison breaks his little subtle movements. This is all good for the chemistry between them. It's all good for the Vikings passing game. It's all good for the Vikings offense, for those things to get even smoother and more, you know, dialed in. And I think that's also kind of a plus it's a way of taking a negative Justin Jefferson being out for several games and turning it into a positive for the Vikings offense. And it bodes well for, again, what happens when Jefferson, Justin Jefferson gets back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. And uh, your story about him saying, Hey, this is Kirk Cousins telling him that Kirk Cousins also said similar things to Brandon Powell, who now has become talking about stepping up with JJ being gone. Yeah has stepped it up into the position and is maybe playing K.J. Osborne, threatening K.J. Osborne for that fourth-ish wide receiver spot, third or fourth-ish wide receiver spot. So it should be interesting, especially with the, the guys in the chat, everybody, been talking about trades, K.J. being possibly 
one that's with Powell stepping up that helps too but Powell and Jordan Addison together you got two nice young studs along with JJ once he comes back I don't care who the quarterback is next year they're sitting in this pretty sweet position with what they have available to them already and that's pretty pretty good um Bobby Bobby was in there. That was his first game. It's not that he gives him his extra second. Actually, believe it or not, um, Ezra Cleveland graded better than Risner did. But Risner is quite capable. Risner is most likely going to start tomorrow. So nothing to worry about. We'll sit there and watch some more. Anthony's asking about what it would take for Cousins to be in the MVP conversation. And pretty simply, it would be the Vikings being one of the top teams in the NFL. That's what it'll take. Yeah, it'll and be. Pat Mahomes having a down year. <laughs> because mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, even if he had superior stats, Patrick Mahomes, if both of them have the same record and Mahomes isn't sucking hard, Mahomes is probably going to get more votes just because he's Pat Mahomes and My, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. True. Now, if... I, if we get up to, you know, we're coming into week 16, we're due to play the Lions, and it's going to be between the Lions and the Vikings who win the division and the Lions and the Vikings who come away with the number one seed in the NFC or the possibility of the number one seed, you know, so you figure Philly's oh, lost. Oh, or seeds now here, Dave? Wow. If, if, if you're figuring Philly, well, he's talking about how would he get MVP. If you're, yeah, okay. All right, Philly would have had to have dropped off a few games. Kansas City or San Francisco may have lost a couple more, right, to drop those teams down. He's got to be able to say for Kirk to be it would have to be such a big ramp up starting these last two weeks with the win over Chicago, which was seemed to be a struggle, and then the mm-hmm. win we punched San Francisco in the face. And we came away victorious on that. And then build on that to where they're suddenly doing the things we want, where they're scoring 30 points, where they're killing teams in the third quarter with no chance, you know, with dagger blows. And keep going up and then running up stats on Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson. I'd love to see Justin Jefferson come in and get another 1,000 yards and then move to, like, third on our passing reception list above um, – um, come on, David. Sammy White? Um, no, uh, he could do that in the game. Um, Adam Thielen, he's only like mm-hmm. 800 yards behind Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's third, third or fourth, you know, and it's just, mm, it would be, it would be something, it would take Kirk doing that and the team doing that for Kirk to be considered in the MVP talk about. Now, obviously, if he does all that, we get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, it's going to be there. We had uh, Dave from uh, Minnesota Sports. Um, Minnesota Sports Talk, I think it is, dot com was talking, and he's obviously a Kirkistani through and through. And he was preaching over on Twitter today, you know, throwing out stats about Kirk Cousins doing this and doing that. And Kirk's got some great stats. Clearly, he does. He's one of the best. I mean, he's when it comes to what he's done for the Vikings and what he's done across the board, his stats are fabulous. But he won't make the Hall of Fame that way. 
Not with just stats. No. He's got to get to a Super Bowl to be even considered. And to be cons- for MVP, he's basically got to put us on the trajectory for the Super Bowl. That's how he could win the MVP. Otherwise, shorter of that, no. Mm-mm. And if we do, like I talked to conspiracy theory at the very beginning of the first theme when we're talking the playoffs, and that the logo this year is red and purple for the Super Bowl. And so that means a red team and a purple team because it's worked out that way that the logos happen to match the last few years. Well, if that's Kansas City and the Vikings, you may have your opportunity of that. But like I said, that's just a conspiracy theory that I do actually hope comes true. So, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yes. Well, now we're at that point in the show. We've talked about our young stud. We need to talk about the game tomorrow. Indeed. It will be, what did I count up? The hundred and. This will be the hundredth and. Scroll up. No, I don't have it there, of course. 168th battle? What is it? Something like that. I thought it was in the 160s, yes. Um, I have it in my notes somewhere. But it's up there. It's way up there. I mean, we've played each other at least twice a year since coming into the league. Yep. The um, It could be 164, whatever it is. The Packers have a four-game lead. Not a four. Eight game lead so far. All right. Let's get to theme three. Vikings at Packers at Lambeau Field. Yes. And here come the slides. Here comes your slides, yo. Death by PowerPoint. Yes. Uh, I hope they're a little bit better than PowerPoint, but we'll see. All right, we'll start out with the injury reports. We do know the players on both sides are on IR, and Packers put a couple on IR, but out of the ones that are in the possibility to play and questionable, this is what you have. For your Minnesota Vikings, Brian Asamoah is out with his, I think it was an ankle injury. He suffered late in the game last week. He <laughs> got that one. <laughs> um, um, I know. Uh, not special teams. <clears throat> Ezra Cleveland is questionable. Most likely, you'll see Dalton Risner starting. Wide receiver Jalen Naylor is questionable. If he is a go, he will be upgraded from his IR eligibility window to the roster. And on Friday, Kanane Wangwu was downgraded as questionable. He was out due to an illness. That's why you got the little pukey face there. Okay. At least it wasn't a back issue, like what kept him out for right. training camp in the season. So. No, he Encourage. was just sick. Uh, Packers, you have Jair Alexander is questionable. Edge rusher Devondre Campbell, I'm sure a long-lost relative to you, is questionable. Yes. Tight end Luke Musgrave is questionable. All these guys are starters. And center Josh Myers is questionable. So they are pretty beat up. And I've heard some whining from Packerland that, oh, we're in your group <laughs> <laughs> So, whatever. <laughs> All right. 
Now, as I've stated before, we always start out with battle of the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks don't play each other, but 80 to 90% of games are decided by who has the better quarterback. The better quarterback is easy in this one. It is Kirk Cousins. PFF has them at their power ranking. Kirk is 10th, and Jordan Love is 23rd. Well, I wanted to dive deeper into the quarterback stats. I dug up an old slide, and here we have it. As you can look, we have PFF grades, uh, what they are under pressure, big-time throws, all that, yada, yada. We have DVOA and DVOR. And we have the Elias Sports Bureau when it comes to QBR rating and completion percentage. Everything on that chart, everything except for the except for the minor thing of big time throw percentage, Kirk Cousins is better at. Now, the big time throw percentage is three point one zero for Jordan Love, whereas two point eight five for Kirk. Kirk hasn't done that many big-time deep throws this season. It's more medium route type stuff, short and medium. Well, that's okay. But the difference is Jordan Love doesn't throw as often as Kirk does for one thing and doesn't complete as much as Kirk does. So you can probably, just the difference there, disregard that stat. This is all Kirk Cousins is by far the superior quarterback tomorrow. And look at that rating under pressure, Dave. That I is know. That, that, that's got to be a record for him. 108.1, that is outstanding for any quarterback. And yep. to have that under pressure is like, holy shit. <laughs> Dude, like I said, especially last week, he's playing out of his mind. That's the... <clears throat> Between last year and this year, Kevin O'Connell's gotten into his brain and changed his thinking a little bit, unlike what Zimmer could do. Zimmer was, you know, a pure, I hate your guts, and if you fuck up, I'm going to shove my boot up your ass type well, of coach. Zimmer never talked to him, so I couldn't uh, get in. Well, he yelled at him a couple times, but that was, <laughs> um, you know, and he had an aneurysm and he'd come, as he'd come off the field. But, you know, that was obvious. Kevin O'Connell has helped Kirk and how he plays and how he thinks so much more since he's been here. And that's, and that's actually a good thing. A very good thing. All right. We'll get to the offense offense Vikings offense stayed steady in PFF with a power ranking of sixth in the league. You wanted another positive thing to look at why we may be in the playoffs with the sixth ranked offense in the league for PFF for God's sakes. All right, for DVOA, we're ranked 14th. We went up a little bit. We are 14th in the pass and 24th in the run. When we get to Elias, we're 11th overall. That's how they rank us on the traditional stats. And Elias Sports Bureaus is the one, your box score stats that you see on ESPN, NFL.com, CBS, everywhere else that you grew up with, the papers, etc. They have an 11th, third in passing, 30th in rushing, and actually that's an improvement in the rushing department. 18th in points, that's gone up. And we've only taken 15 sacks. We have given away the ball 14 times, which is an improvement because we didn't give it away last week. And we have a minus five differential, which is a lot better than we were a few weeks ago. The Vikings are favored. This has changed over the week because originally the Packers were favored. The Vikings are favored by one and a half and an over under of 41 
0.5. Well, let me get to before we do that. The defense for the Packers is ranked 11th, which is not too bad. Uh, DVOA does not look as kindly on them. They have them as 27th overall, 25th against the pass, and 26th against the run. Elias Sports Bureau has them as 16th in yards, 8th against the pass, 30th in rushing against the run, which means you should be able to run on them tomorrow, and I expect to see that tomorrow quite a bit. And they are 21st when giving up points. They have... uh, they are 17th in getting sacks, and they have 16 total, and they have their 27th in takeaways with only five. Flipping the script, Vikings defense is down to 21st ranked in PFF. They stay even on DVOA at 15th, 16th against pass, 12th against the run. They're improving on the run, believe it or not. Um, Elias, they're 15th in yards, 17th against pass, 15th against the rush, 20th against points. They got to be able to keep the teams out of the scoring more often. They are ranked 13th with sacks. They have 19, which of course, Daniil Hunter leads the league with his nine. And they have 16, they're ranked 16th with nine takeover takeaways. The Packers offense, boom, 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 the one they're going to face, ranks 26 per PFF. DVOA has them at 17th. I don't see that. 12th with passing. 27th with the runs. They're not running well. Elias has its 26th on yards. 27th or 23rd in passing. Rushing 24th. Points, they rank 17th. So they are being productive for it when the times I get down there. They have taken 10 sacks. So the blocking has been rather decent, even though Bakhtari is out, which seems like a perennial thing. And giveaways, they rank 10th. They've only given away 7, but they sit at a minus 2 differential. We're almost done with slides, folks. Then we get to special teams. Viking special teams dropped to 27th per DVOA. That's because of the missed kicks, and I guess the rest of the special teams aren't playing so well. I wish they would. wish they'd play better. I hope Powell or Nwangwu, Wang Chung, would get some better returns this week. We shall see. But the Packers suck even worse. They rank 30th. And for weather, because we are playing outside and it sucks up in Lambeau, it is all rain and cloud for the last few days. Today is cloudy. Slight chance of rain. Tomorrow, it is cloudy virtually all day, except for the time period Expect we expect to play the game. It will be mostly cloudy, and mostly cloudy goes down as about 75% cloud cover. Your temperatures are going to range from anywhere when they come out for warm-ups of around 38 and warm up to maybe 41 degrees, which is meh. Uh, wind chill. Winds aren't that bad. They're that's basically a light breeze, anywhere from six miles an hour to seven, eight miles an hour. There's nothing that's going to affect throwing the ball. We're not playing a game in the gale force winds or anything like that. Uh, but uh, it's going to feel like it's in the upper 30s during the game, which is not going to be excessively pleasant, but it's not too much of a hindrance either. So we should get a good game, and hopefully the players learn their lesson the last time and are wearing the correct cleats. 
on yes. what should be a relatively moist field because of the rain that came through all this week up there in Green Bay. Yeah, let's hope they listen to the training staff and mm-hmm. wear the boots that the training staff tells them to wear, which they didn't do last year, or at least some of the guys didn't do last year. Yep. So Now, what the Packers do not have anymore is Brett Favre. Nor do they have Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> yeah, you got a photo of the one play he participated in with the Jets this year. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. No. Uh, like, if if you want, if 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 you want to look at like what's the number one reason why the Vikings should win this game and why they're favored, uh, it's because for the first time since since nineteen ninety before, uh, like nineteen ninety two, since nineteen ninety one, I guess before the Packers traded for Brett Favre. So that that would be nineteen ninety one. This is the first time, and other than that, in two thousand seventeen, when Aaron Rodgers was out for the most of the year, the Vikings actually have a pretty sizable advantage at the quarterback quarterback position for the first time since 1991. Uh, uh, and that's because the, you know, the pack, that team from Wisconsin, they don't have Brett Favre anymore and they don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. They got Jordan Love and Jordan Love has been, he started out pretty good first two games, but he's struggled since that point. And, and uh you know he's you already threw up all, all the stats Dave, but he's like he's completing 58 not even 58 percent of his passes he's uh averaging 210 passing yards per game which is really really low uh he's tied for second with a couple other guys for most interceptions in the nfl right now with seven uh he's not most of the games he's been in their passing game has been very very short dink and dunk kind of stuff so far not taking a lot of deep shots and when he has taken deep shots he hasn't really been hitting on them so anyway you look at it like you, you showed those stats up there like when it comes other than scrambling ability Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback by far than Jordan Love and the Vikings have not had that be the case where they've had their quarterback starting quarterback is vastly better than the Packers starting quarterback since like forever <laughs> so, <laughs> it seems oh. that way um, yeah we were youngsters back then but yes yeah so the, the, you know that is a massive advantage that the Vikings have coming into this game that they've never they haven't had for thirty some years, uh, and I don't think that can be overstated, uh, and it's pretty important. Uh, and I think you know the Love's struggles are a big reason why the Packers you know get this in the past four games. That team from Wisconsin has been outscored sixty three to six in the first half of their last four games. So they are playing behind they're behind the eight ball in the second half and. When you don't have Aaron Rodgers or an elite quarterback to bail you out of that, it's hard to come back when you are behind by by two scores or more going into the second half. You just your offense, your quarterback just can't bail you out. Um, so big things there. You know, another thing that's been a bit surprising with the that team from Wisconsin's offense this year is that their running game has really struggled. Uh, they haven't. It's got a little bit better the past two games. Part of that is because Aaron Jones has missed three games. And Aaron Jones, over the years, since he got into the league in 2017, he's been, I think, a Vikings killer, running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. Looks like he's going to play Sunday. Uh, he did play last week against Denver, but he wasn't. Uh, but A.J. Dillon got the bulk of the carries in mm-hmm. that game because Jones isn't quite 100% yet. And Jones' comments this week also indicate that he's still not going to be 100% when he plays with the Vikings. So he still might be not be the number one guy. You probably see more A.J. Dillon 
than Aaron Jones, which is a good thing for the Vikings, I think, because a healthy Aaron Jones is a problem for everybody, and he's particularly been a problem for the Vikings over the years. Um, but even even if Jones was there, I like like the I like the Vikings matchup on the running defense. There's been a couple of hiccups. Obviously, the Eagles games was hor- horrible. Uh, the Bears game, we didn't really have very good run defense either. I look back and the Bears ran for 160 yards on us in that game and 36 carries, which is a bit surprising. But other than that, it, you know, last week, you look at it, we st- the 49ers running game, which I think is one of the best running games and has been for a number of years, mm-hmm. with Chris McCaffrey in the game, we absolutely stuffed their running game last week. They yes. got very little. They got mm-hmm. very little. And so if you can do that against the 49ers... I, you know, I think, you know, I feel good about the Vikings' ability to limit the Packers' running game and render them mostly ineffective. And if that happens, Dave, if that happens, I don't think that Jordan Love can beat the Vikings through the air. Uh, it's just not, I don't think it should happen. I, I don't love the Vikings' cornerback room right now. I think Byron Murphy... Caleb Evans and now Andrew Booth Jr. They give up a lot of completions. They do play off coverage, and that's partly by design. But they're not making a lot of plays out there. They're not breaking up a lot of the passes. They're giving up a lot of completions. Not a lot of big plays, but a lot of completions. Opposing quarterbacks are completing a ton of passes against them, generally for you know pretty good yardage. Uh, but it, but still, uh, Jordan Love, like he's. If the if the Packers are in third and long, second and long, a fair amount of the time. Fours is going to blitz the shit out of love and love. You saw love is not very good under pressure. We get pressure on, on floors and we will because floors has been able to do that. It's just that we've played some pretty good quarterbacks in the first seven games. And sometimes those guys just beat you. <laughs> like, like sometimes they just make out of their mind plays, but Jordan love, I don't think is the guy that's going to be able to do that consistently. He's, he's going to be inaccurate on when he gets pressured, even when he isn't, he's on the long throws. He's not going to be able to make the big plays and hit them as quite as often. And I don't think that the, the Packers offense is going to be able to be effective enough to score the 20 plus points they're going to need to win this one. Right. And I don't think he's seen a blitz package like he's going to face tomorrow before. There's, no. I mean, Brian Flores is blitzing at a rate that's almost unheard of. Across the league, and the Vikings lead by far, almost double the rate of almost every other team of how many times they're blitzing. And we're talking exotic blitzes. I mean, all last week we were in dime all but, what, five or eight plays or something absurd yeah. like that. And it's just quarterbacks aren't used to that, and they're not used to reading it. And offensive lines aren't used to reading, well, who's who's the mic? Who have I got? Who are we shooting yeah. this way? Are we, you know, pushing it? Are we 5-0? What are, what's our line call? And you get some young, you know, quarterback with very little experience, i.e. Jordan Love, I think his head is going to swim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I, the point. I, I think that's the whole game plan. Yes, for sure. And an, an, another thing that limits the the that team from Wisconsin's passing game is that they've they've invested pretty significantly in pass catchers the past two drafts. Uh, but all of these guys are in their first or second year in the NFL, and they're not quite, they're talented. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, uh, like Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, um, Tucker Craft, the other tight end. Um, there is uh, somebody else I'm forgetting, a, a wide receiver, but they, right now, but 
you know, they are not, they just haven't got to the point yet where they're a dominant go-to guy. So Love doesn't have like that Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson or even a Greg Jennings or Randall Cobb to throw to who he knows is going to be open almost all the time. He's going to catch what I throw to him. He doesn't have that guy. And so, and, and Love isn't the type of quarterback yet who can, unlike Aaron Rodgers, who can make them a go-to guy, who can overcome their inexperience or the little things that they're doing wrong. So I think that limits the, has been in limiting the effectiveness of the, the Packers uh, passing game. And again, I think that's why in this case, um, that I think this offense is not going to be able to do what they need to do against the Vikings to be successful, you know, to score enough points, to get enough drives, to, to, you know, pull this one out for them, you know, offensively uh, on for the Vikings offensively, you know, I think, uh, we saw the stats there, the, the, that team from Wisconsin, their defense has really struggled to stop the run this year, They're not doing very well. Again, they've given up 200 yards plus in two games out of the seven they've played, well over a hundred in a couple others. And uh, so that is like you said, is, is that going to be a focus for the Vikings offense? You know, the problem with here, of course, is that the Vikings running game has not been very effective itself. I'm not confident that that, that we can capitalize on this weakness with the Packers. Um, But, and particularly if Alexander Madison is still, and he will be your number one guy. Last week, acres pull it to duty, but yeah. Don't bet on it, folks. No, and like Akers ended up getting more touches than Madison last week, but he didn't play more than Madison. Madison was in the game more. Madison had ten more offensive snaps than than um, than um, Cam Akers. Uh, but maybe we have seen a bit of a shift with last game where Akers is is it's going to be more of a fifty fifty or a sixty forty for Madison to acres kind of thing and a bit more equitable. And, and I would be happy with that. And then after that point, it, you know, acres has got to take advantage of those, of those opportunities and show that he's, he's the guy that should be number one. And then maybe it'll happen, but I, I still, I'm not convinced that the Vikings running game can really roll it up on the Packers. It'd be great if they do. I think they're going to try, but I don't know if how effective that'll be because you know, the Packers, I think their defense is underperformed so far, Dave, but they've got good players like Kenny Clark. We've seen him for years. He's a good interior guy. Rashawn Gary's a very good edge rusher. Um, we've talked about Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas. I think they're a very good cornerback combo. And if Alexander is playing tomorrow, that's a big plus for them. You remember um, from last year with Jair? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. Um, like uh, um, there's other players like Isaiah McDuffie is not a well-known name, but I found that he's really jumped out for the Packers on defense as an active, uh, he's an inside linebacker. So their defense has got players that have a capable defense, but they haven't performed that well. So I think really in this game, it's it, like, it's going to be with if Alexander's there with Rasul Douglas. I think they're going to try to really rough up Jordan Addison. Again, uh, you remember last year what Alexander did to JJ. He got in his face. He played a lot of press coverage. He really frustrated JJ and shut JJ down completely. And uh, and I think that you know if Alexander's in the game, first game, second yeah, that game right. was a different story. Second game, first game he didn't. The second game he did. Uh, and I think that that is the what 
if Alexander's playing, that they're the strategy that I expect that team from Wisconsin to employ against Jordan Addison and others. So it's really going to be important for, I think, other guys like TJ Hawkinson doing what he did against the 49ers and being like a consistent receiving threat and catching everything that comes his way. It's going to be up to um, um, guys like KJ Osborne and Brandon Powell who had a pretty nice game last, last week and in the second half. We're going to need those guys to step up like they did against the 49ers because I think that it again is going to be on our passing game to move the ball, just to, to get the Vikings in position to score points against uh, that team from Wisconsin. Because again, I'm not sold. I'm not confident that our running game, even against a weak rush defense, can take advantage of that, even with our offensive line playing well. And I think the other thing, Dave, is that two other things is that, you know, offensive line wise, they were out of sight in pass pro against the 49ers. That's got to happen again against that team from Wisconsin. Uh, again, Gary Preston Smith is a very dangerous pass rusher as well for for the Packers. They don't, what I've seen is they don't like to blitz a whole lot. Like Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator is going to stick with rushing four most of the time, sometimes sending five, but he's going to depend on those a rush four to get it done. And if they can't get it done, and if our offensive line is locked down and pass pro like they were against the 49ers and Kirk Cousins is dealing like he was last week, if he's the guy that he's throwing, he's stepping, he's showing good pocket presence. If he's being tough and standing tall in the pocket, Still if he's throwing with miles, seeing him do that last week. If he's if he's throwing, being aggressive and throwing with accuracy and making the big throws like he did time after time after time against the 49ers, if that's the Kirk Cousins we're getting tomorrow, then I feel very, very good about the Vikings offense getting being very successful in this game, even if the running game is not that great and the running game in the second half in particular against the 49ers did not do a whole lot uh, we started off well but we didn't we didn't sustain that and we didn't actually we actually kind of abandoned the run in the second half and just threw through through because that's what, what was being successful well that's fine with me uh, but you know those are things that you got to see but are we going to see that Kirk Cousins are we going to see that type of Vikings offense because you know, I was amazed with how effective they were against the 49ers last week. I'm like, where's this been all year? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where's this been the last six years? Yes. Yeah. But if you are you going to get that offense or are you going to get the one that we saw against the Bears? I, I just, I'm confused right now. And, but if it's the one we got against the 49ers, um, that is a winning formula against the team that is struggling like that team from Wisconsin who is on a three game losing streak and does not want to make it four games. <laughs> All right. So we need to send a message to the team. Yeah. Coach O'Connell, Ziggy. Wow. Crazy. Play like you did on Monday. So you can change Darren's negativity to positivity <laughs> is pessimism to optimism. And that we can go all the way this year. Yeah. Just, Play play a solid mistake free game, uh, like you know. And I think that is more than enough to beat the Packers tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you got to. I think also you know that team from Wisconsin, Keyshawn Nixon, is a very dangerous punt and kickoff returner. And I think mm-hmm. that can't. Last year he took one to the house on a kickoff return. That helped get the things rolling for the big blowout. And, uh, and you know, we can't let him get off. And our kickoff coverage, I think, has not been that great so far this year. Um, but, you know, the Vikings have, they've since 1992, they've played 33 times at Lambeau Field, uh, including 
33 times, including two playoff games, and we've won 10 of those games, uh, which is a, not a great percentage. Uh, so, uh, but it's different right now. Jordan Love is the sheriff in town, not Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. And I think, you know, that's a huge, huge difference. And that's where things could be the outcome at Lambeau Field. We could be in position, Dave, to actually win a game by, hey, dare I say, 10 to 14 points for a change. All right. Now, this picture has snow in it. There's no snow tomorrow. There's supposed to be snow in a few days up there, but none yet. So, yes, I want to finish this section with a couple of my favorite memories from going up to Lambo. Love it. First, uh. DJ Wanham. Hopefully tomorrow he returns to the site of his most infamous rookie tackle, and he has that sort of a day against the young Jordan Jordan. Wolf. And makes his life miserable because DJ will be starting opposite of Daniil Hunter. And I hope yep. to see that. But as always, and probably one of my all time favorite memories, the Packers can kiss my ass. <laughs> oh, man. Was that ever good or what? That was great. <laughs> Well, folks, hopefully we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. Uh, live, it's a two-minute warning. We go live, so we get to watch, you know, together. You guys get to join us. We get to watch that last two minutes. Hopefully it'll be in garbage time. Nobody cares because we've already daggered the football game. We'll be celebrating, drinking our favorite beverage, hooting and hollering that we just won our third game in a row and defeated the Green Bay Packers, which, of course, will keep smiles on our face another full week. Yes. And it makes it especially fun at work when you have Packer friends that, friends that are there or acquaintances or workmates. Oh, there's something just special about that. So tomorrow they should go out there and beat the team from Wisconsin without prejudice. Yes. Amen to that. Any last words there, buddy? Not at all, Dave. Um, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, as always, looking forward to seeing tomorrow's game. And, um, and, and I think that we will, I think the first quarter, we'll know whether this is uh, going to be a different kind of Vikings-Packers game with the Vikings actually you know, putting in a real good effort, or it's kind of the same old, same old as in the previous two years where we've suffered pretty uh, humiliating losses down there. Um, First quarter, important to get off to a good start and, and you know, kick some ass for a change in Lambo. Uh, Grandizer, we'll t- probably talk about that Monday. Maybe tomorrow night, but probably Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oops. Um, Minimize yeah. yourself. Here. Yes, I did. Justin says, 44 watching. Justin... Thank you very much. 24 likes. Hey, please, if you haven't already, hit the like button on the way out. Subscribe. Share with friends. Heck, share with your favorite Packer fans just to kiss them off. And as always, puck the Packers. With that, I want to thank everybody that was here today. You guys make it our day every time when you're with us and in commenting in the in the comments, obviously, and all part of the community we love. We love to be part of your community as well. And what do we say, brother? 
we say Skull Vikings eat the Packers. Absolutely. See you tomorrow at live at the two minute warning. Skull Vikings beat the Packers. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.